welcome everybody to another edition of Linking the Travel Industry, where we discuss travel industry news you are talking about on LinkedIn. Before we continue, just a quick bit of housekeeping. We do record the session because we make it available as a podcast afterwards, which you can find at businesstravel360.com, and we'll tell you more about that towards the end of the session. We absolutely welcome audience participation. Uh, after all, we are here to link the travel industry. So if you have a comment on any of the stories we discuss here today, please raise your hand. We'll get you on stage, and you can add your thoughts on that story. So with that out of the way, my name is Rian, and I'm one of your hosts today. I am the CEO of Agentivity, where we make it our mission to elevate the service ability of travel management companies through the effective use of data. And I am Anne. I'm a consultant in the travel and airline industry. Happy to help you with anything related to retailing, NDC, one order and distribution. I'm also working as an instructor with both IOTA and Aeroclass. My name is Ash, and I'm the host of a weekly business travel podcast called What's Up in Business Travel, where we give you only the important updates in business travel in under 15 minutes. Additionally, I'm the vice president at Traxo, and this is Linking the Travel Industry. The format of this discussion evolves around a post I do on a Friday where we gather together uh, relevant travel industry stories and then we discuss them on here. Last week, we mentioned uh, client travel being in the news with uh, a story from, I think it was in the BTN, about them getting a NDC content deal with Lufthansa. So Cameron, if you can do a quick introduction of who you are and what you do at Clyde, and then tell us about this development you did with Lufthansa. Thanks, Rian. And yeah, thanks for inviting me on the program, the event today. Yeah, weigh in on, on NDC. So uh, my name is Cameron Bengert. I'm the head of operations at Clyde Travel Management. We recently were in the news with the Lufthansa development that you just mentioned there. So uh, Lufthansa is our second uh, airline, which we've connected to our NDC platform, which we've branded consort particularly why we chose Lufthansa is because they can offer us a lot of content through NDC sometimes when we talk about NDC we talk about having access to the lowest fares or the best fares but it's really important for Clyde Travel being world of managing marine maritime companies uh, offshore energy companies that we have access to those specialist fares and Lufthansa were able to provide that access through NDC what we don't want to do Ryan is split our consultants across multiple channels this is a big topic in the industry is is having multiple channels of content. If we're going to develop an NDC connection, it makes sense for us to be able to book all of our content through that connection and then design our own workflows. It's not all about just the content. For us, it's about efficient workflows as well for our operators so that they can stay within our front office environment consort and access Lufthansa published fares, but also Lufthansa marine fares for our customers. From what you've just said, it implies, therefore, that you will also get consult to query your GDS channel at some point. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right, Rand. And you know, shout out, of course, to yourself as well. Uh, we work closely with Agentivity because what we're doing is blending not just content, but serviceability. We are blending, for example, the servicing side in the sectors for our customers. Uh, the sectors that we are particularly focused on servicing is extremely important. It's not just about shop book ticket. We need to be able to receive cancellation notifications, especially after the last couple of years. Uh, that we've all experienced and and being able to service that within our platform consort because as we know uh, in our world crew changes they change all the time constantly so we need that ability to be able to service those bookings not just make the initial booking so what we've done 
is we've blended the notifications from our GDS channels for disruption with our NDC order change notifications within our consort platform so that our consultants can provide that full service. Now, still a work in progress. We're still learning a lot, uh, but it's opening up some new opportunities for us, especially when you consider challenge in uh, recruiting experienced travel consultants uh, in the industry. Uh, We have more control over a graphical user interface that uh, is easier to train than maybe someone coming in new to the industry and learning cues and codes to access those fairs. Very cool. There's quite a lot there that I have some follow-ups from, but let me ask um, Anne if she has a question for you. Yes, I do. It's so interesting because I, I love it when you say that you can access different content. And this is, of course, what we've been you know, looking for in the industry. This is what really, really matters in my book. Do you have an example of that content? Can you talk to that some, or is it products that the customer's purchase or is it something like that? Yeah, great question. And I see there's a lot of conversation, obviously, about the personalization of content, the capabilities that will be with NDC. And I think we've only just scratched the surface on that. For us, it's really having access to those marine fares. Those fares are set up for shipping for energy companies because of the flexibility that they need, the extra bags. We need to be able to access those fares for our customers. So we didn't want to be limited to just published fares so we can access those marine fares. And while we're talking about it, you know, giving the consultant easier views of the difference in that content and so we can do different things that, that we can control in our consort system rather than in the GDS. The GDS, you're stuck with plain text on background, whereas in consort, we can develop things like little icons to make it easily stand out. This fare is fully flexible. This fare includes two bags, whereas that fare uh, has a red shield on it. And that means it's non-refundable, just for example. doesn't mean that we're not using the GDS, of course. We're strong partnerships with GDS. There's, there's a lot of content that we do and will access there. But just highlighting some of the differences in the user interface that we can control for our consultants. Yeah, it's been, it's been long overdue, hasn't it, to sort of do something about the, the user interface, because I totally agree with you. It's just not, it's not a very user-friendly environment. I mean, reading fair notes, for example, I think it's, it's an absolute nightmare. Yeah, and I say that with, of course, those who work at a GDS probably screaming at me right now saying, but we have a graphical interface and I should acknowledge that. But <laughs> it takes a long time, I think, for travel consultants to adapt to a new graphical interface when they're so quick on the keyboard, work their way through a cryptic. <laughs> Hey, Cameron, this is Ash. I have a quick question for you. You mentioned marine fares. We'll put that aside. You mentioned a couple other fare types. We'll put that aside. Specifically, as it relates to true NDC content, are you getting paid the same less or more for the NDC segments from the GDS? Yeah, Ash, sorry. I won't be able to get into the commercial aspects of it, uh, as I think you probably. But I think what's a a good discussion, a good question is what's going to happen to NDC content uh, that's provided maybe by the GDS or through different aggregators? Is the price point going to stay the same today uh, as it will in five years? I can make the point, I guess, Ash, that it was important for Clyde that we have control over access to our top suppliers. Uh, We're not talking about creating NDC connections to 100 airlines here. Those airlines which we rely on a lot, you know, our top 10 sort of BSP airlines. We want to be able to have direct access to that, that we don't fall to a commercial relationship between two parties. And really, our customer doesn't care where we buy that airfare. They want access to it. And so we wanted to make sure that we can control how we access it. And we don't know what those transaction costs will be as, as we go forward. And you bring up a good point. We actually talked about this last week. And I think the important thing here, at least for me and the way I'm looking at it, is that you now control your destiny, right? In the sense that 
you've built the connection, you can build many more. So to your point, maybe you don't want to build it to everybody, but definitely the ones that make sense. And now that you have your own product, you have your own pipes, you can now make the decision as far as how you want to run that process. I think that puts you in a really unique group of travel management companies. There's, of course, so many out there who don't have that ability and they rely solely on the GDS. So it's hard for them to be able to navigate this uh, process. It is complicated and they won't be able to choose like you will as you move forward. I just want to say, do you know how many times you've used used the word control? tried writing it down, but it was at least seven or eight times. And that's one of those three, but now also four C's, right, Anne? (laughs) Well, control has always been there. It was originally the three C's, cost, control, and content. But I've added customer experience as I think it becomes more and more relevant. Yes, but Cameron touched on that because he talked about how important the serviceability for themselves is in order for them to continue providing that service to the customer, right? So it's all there and it's it's fantastic. So uh, well done, Cameron. Shaheen, thank you for joining us and raising your hand. Did you have a quick comment or question for Cameron? Yeah, I had a, uh, a quick comment uh, to the NDC commercial uh, commercials on the NDC from GDSs. Uh, I've been associated with uh, GDS for a very long time. I think the commercials for NDCs for the GDS companies, and I'm pretty sure Ash also knows the answer, is pretty low because the buying from uh, the fee that they charge to the airline for NDCs is so low that it is it is either not or a very little shared with the travel customers or travel technology companies. Scandinavian Airlines is now, surprise, surprise, going to hand their, um, in brackets, wholesale model. They first announced it was going to go live, I'm trying to think when it was, earlier this year, then they postponed it by six months, and now it's been canceled. First of March. There we go. Thank you, And They now said they've actually come to a conclusion with um, Amadeus, and they hope to follow suit with Sabre and Travelport. Not a surprise at all, but just terrible waste of money, in my view. Before we ask Cameron his view on it, uh, Anne, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I totally agree with you, a terrible waste of money. What concerns me is this adds to the lack of trust between agents and, and airlines. And that always worries me because, I mean, there must be those who have, you know, made developments or contracted with aggregators because I think there were four appointed aggregators in all of this. And um, that's not cheap. And so it's a bit sad in my book. Oh, absolutely. But Kevin, you guys are quite active in the Nordics, right? This have an impact or do you have a comment on that development by SAS? Yeah, Rian. So we were paying close attention. We have operations in Sweden, Denmark, Norway, and Finland. So this uh, was going to have an impact on us. It was a tough one. I mean, and you're absolutely right. How did TMCs respond to these big announcements? Clyde, at least we try not to panic. We sort of stay the course. But you also have to prepare. What's difficult is you don't you don't always know what you're preparing for, or if that big announcement, uh, like we've seen so many times with others, uh, will just be delayed. And therefore, you know, you don't want to jump and spend a lot of money developing that uh, may not be needed in this case now. I think knowing Amadeus's presence in the Nordics had some ideas that maybe there are some conversations happening. I can only speculate. I'm not exactly sure what was going on, but watching it closely and, and I guess, I don't want to say hoping, don't want to say expecting, maybe somewhere in between that uh, Amadeus and SAS would be having some kind of conversations. The way I see it is that it's just been a standstill. And like I very often mention is that I think that full content actually sets us back 15 years in time because nothing happened. And and agents also have to aggregate content and start looking at, can I make even more revenue than 
just selling a ticket. It's so much more than just selling a ticket. And sadly, I think that technology has been not really facilitating that in a very good way. And that also has to do with the GDS situation of having mid and back office solutions provided by the GDS. So I think it's definitely time for for agents to change. We're joined by Michael from uh, Saber. Michael, thank you. I think you had your hand up earlier, but do you want to do a quick intro and a comment? Sure. Just in the context of some of the comments and and questions, I I would say one is, yes, I'm from Sabre, so I'm from a GDS. I work in commercial strategy is the group that I work in. Uh, I have a lot of exposure to both our deals uh, on the supply side, which would include airlines, as well as hoteliers, car rental, et cetera, and then a lot of exposure to our commercial agreements with agencies. I would broadly agree generally with uh, the perspective that Osh has, is that very little uh, of NDC to date is about new content and capabilities and very much there's a focus from airlines on changing the commercial model and there's kind of two things there one is yes there there is uh, and it's not with every airline there is a general direction of what we call value-based pricing which is airlines being willing to compensate uh, gds's as an intermediary and therefore you know kind of down the line agencies for selling stuff that they view as high value uh, and really wanting to pay very little or nothing for selling stuff that they consider low value the very easy Kind of example here is think, you know, first class uh, international, they'll pay a lot of money to help them sell that. And basic economy domestic, they want to pay very little or nothing to sell that. You know, then more broadly, I think there is, and every company has to make their own decisions about this, but in as much as when an agency approaches the decision of do we go ahead and continue to access all or most of our content through aggregators, which includes GDSs and the travel fusions of the world and whoever else, do we start creating direct connect? What capabilities can we access building ourselves versus you know, using technology partners. Um, Those are all, you know, real relevant questions. You know, I think that the perspective, obviously, aggregators, uh, including GDSs, would want to provide is, you know, the technology kind of direction that I think it's pretty consistent. Most of us are going in and we're trying to build these platforms, right, which you connect once, then you access many. And I can tell you that our roadmap as it pertains to capabilities that we need to bring to the table to offer to agencies is largely, if not completely, kind of influenced and and driven by feedback and input from agencies. So Cameron and and others on the call, I would strongly encourage you to really make your voice known with your GDS partners, whether it's us, Samadeus, Travelport, or uh, other aggregators. And Michael, I totally agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that we're going through a phase here. This is not going to be a light switch experience. It's going to be a step and go kind of a process. I think that the most critical thing that is really, really important is to understand that every segment's value is different. And of course, if I'm an airline and I'm looking at my distribution, I'm not be able to offer a $99 fare, what does not mean the same to me as a $1,000 fare. And so I'm willing to offer more for those versus the $99 ones. Thank you. I think, Anne, uh, you want to make comment? Yeah, very quick comments. Yeah. I, I think it's also time that we start looking at those 
what what is not productive. And I yeah. keep coming back to that, you know, cancel fees, unproductive segments. Why is there so much where there is a cost that is not productive, not for the airline, nor for the agent? I really see that we need to modernize the, the way pricing is done between distribution systems and airlines. <laughs> My next story from last week evolved uh, in a post I saw. Keen to know, Ash, what you make of this. This was a story by Will Horton where he talked about the fact the U.S. airlines are, well, they're helping the White House to draft an order that would require foreign airlines to also avoid Russian airspace in order to compete fairly with them because, of course, some airlines don't have to do that. Fascinating development there. Ash, what do you make of that story? think that it's a bunch of hogwash. You can't force a foreign government and a foreign airline to change their flight path because you can't do something because your government decided something else, right? So this is one of those cases where I'm going to say maybe the conversation should be different. And considering all the other factors uh, that the author, Will Horton, had clearly outlined here as it relates to environment and other things like that, I think it's obvious. But this is just a Hail Mary, hope for the best type uh, request. And is it hogwash? I agree with Ash. There's little else to say there. This is the third or fourth time today I'm hearing I'm in agreement with Ash. Just getting too much of that. So we need to change that. (laughs) I know. This is dangerous. My next story was not, I don't think there's much to discuss here, but it was interesting for me to see that Malaysia Airlines have partnered up and increased their partnership with Kuwait Airlines. That was just interesting to know. Back to the Indian aviation market and the growth there, some incredible numbers still coming out of that market with news that investments in airports alone will reach up to $12 billion of development. Staggering numbers. I'm so excited to see all this change happening. Right, Ash? It's going to be, it's going to be really cool. Let me tell you, as somebody who's traveled to India during the days when aviation was not really amazing, to now seeing all of this happen, it makes me so excited, makes me so happy and so proud. There's 1,200 planes coming in. You know, Obviously, these planes have to land somewhere, so you need more airport. And you start to see tertiary markets, secondary markets developing. You start to see a whole slew of new airlines coming in, brand new planes coming in. And of course, the infrastructure needs to support that. So you see that India is going to do that. And they're going to increase the number of airports from like 150. 50, which is where it is now, to over 200 in the next two years. So this is a huge amount of increase um, happening in a very short amount of time. So there's going to be a lot of nice jobs, a lot of people getting paid, and of course, the aviation industry taking off. So super exciting. I'm so happy and so proud. I am too. But Anne, isn't this the perfect opportunity for those airports to think about the role the airport could play in uh, retailing and commercialization rights and mm. services they could offer? Oh, yes. It's so. a golden opportunity to really do things so much better. And isn't it a bit like India is like woken up at the sort of same time? It's fascinating. I'm also yes. extremely impressed with what I'm yeah. seeing. <laughs> Staying with India, we also saw in the news last week that it took me a while to get my head around this story. It was initially posted by Sid Kumar, but it was about them not increasing the rights for any of the golf carriers into and out of India because they wanted those domestic you know, airlines to start flying those routes, etc. It was an interesting development. Again, it took me a while to get my head around it, but um, what did you make of that one, Anne? It's very interesting, but um, hasn't it been the case in many parts of the world that the golf carriers have sort of just taken over, right? 
that doesn't go well with new strategy of, of Indian aviation. Sure, but in, in most cases, they are providing a, a service which is not being served, right? Yes, so, yeah. Yeah, that was just an yeah. interesting development. Any comments on that, Ponosh? Yeah, I think that will change over time. I think that this is the initial uh, comment, right? They want the local airlines, so the domestic airlines, to become international. Uh, so they want to give them some uh, runway, uh, no pun intended there, and some uh, head start. Um, and once they have that, I think that they will open up their minds uh, to this next stage. But I think this is step two, and step two should come up to step one. And then in other news outside of India, it was interesting to note this is a financial platform or expense management platform, Brex. I wasn't familiar with them at all, but they've added travel booking services to their offering, uh, courtesy of SpotNana. And uh, so they're basically taking on the likes of Concur and others. Interesting development. I asked a few questions about this to Johnny at uh, SpotNana, and it seems that they are immediately going with this global. I'm not sure how that servicing aspects of it work, but they said they can service the globally. Good, though, in my view, that there's some competition being developed here in the in the corporate expense and travel space, right, Ash? This is a combination of expense coming together with front-end booking or a corporate online booking tool with the agency support of travel solutions. So you see a trifecta occurring. And with the three pieces in place, now they become really valuable and they've already gone to market. And of course, Travel Solutions is a new travel management company that is launching on the Spotnana platform. Uh, so this is a, a nice play. And uh, I think this is going to go well. What do you think, Anne? Yes, it is going to go well. And it's fantastic that we're seeing we're seeing this, you know, de- development in the US has been a bit sort of behind. It's been very dominated by very few players. But again, same in Europe, dominated by very few players. And of course, mid and back office solutions are not really sexy to talk about or address, but very much needed. So, um, yeah, and I'm really impressed with travel solutions. So, yes, I think interesting times ahead. Then it's, it's about time, in my view, for that sector to be woken up a bit and uh, the cage to be rattled a little bit. My next story once again came from Will Halton. It was fascinating to read related to the relationships between the US and China, which at the moment is not great. So there's obviously a bit of strain there on the ability of flight capacity between those countries to be increased and up to the plate steps Korea. One of the interesting things here, which was mentioned, is that I didn't know that Korean Air had more US destinations than all of the other Asian airlines combined. That was quite interesting. So what basically is happening here is that US airlines can get traffic to China via Korea in the short of it and increase their footprint that way. And did you did you enjoy that as much as I did? Mm-hmm. I did, yeah. And I agree. Will writes very well and it's very interesting to follow. But I'm sorry for my ignorance, but wasn't uh, ASEANA and Korean, they, they have they merged? When are they merging? I think, what? I, I think that's just um, happened, yes. And it's it's still being talked about as ASEANA, but they have done it and they, they're just finalizing it, is my understanding. Because even the story, okay. Will talks about the fact that they are leveraging this, so you will have provide one-stop US China itineraries. I do have a couple other related points here. Uh, that entire market is uh, kind of having a little bit of a reboot. You see also a new airline called Air Premier that has launched uh, out of South Korea, and they're flying uh, Dreamliners uh, to uh, Newark. So they have the only flight between Seoul and Newark, which is starting in May. Similar news, you have another startup that is uh, doing a service between Taiwan and LA market in April, uh, kicking off a regular flight called Starlux Airlines. So a lot of uh, new uh, airlines popping into that market as well. Wow, great. 
my last story on my list related to development in South Africa. But it was interesting because if you recall, um, actually even asked questions about this, there was a local carrier there that represented British Airways and they went bust. So then another airline called Airlink stepped up and started uh, forming relationships with British Airways, doing co-chair, etc. But the interesting part is that Airlink also now teamed up with Etihad, you know, who happened to have also been quite active on forming partnerships. First of all, it's a sign of how strong that South African domestic travel market is and um, in what a strong position Airlink must be in able to play up both British Airways and Etihad, who of course are not partners at all. Is this a sign of sort of modern uh, airline partnerships, Anne, that we are going to see? I think we're going to see a lot of this. I mean, it's, it's going to be about what's strategically best for the airlines. And I think that, well, I kind of feel like so much of this alliance stuff is a bit outdated. It also needs to be mm. modernized. No, because it's only outdated people. in Anne's mind. Anne, uh, you're, you're ahead of the curve here. For the rest of us, this is pretty amazing. When I read the story, I was so excited. I was like, oh my God. So I buy one ticket and I have my bag checked in the whole way. How cool is that? You know, yeah. so I'm excited. I think the regular people are excited. Maybe you are not excited as, as much as we are. So let us enjoy it for a little while. Cool. But it's very interesting to see this, this developing and uh, and where Ailing is going to end up. So fascinating development. Space This is a little bit more of a grounded space news story, if you will. But there's a new partnership in play. Uh, there's a phone company in the North American market called T-Mobile. And T-Mobile has now partnered with SpaceX to provide a connection on the networks uh, with the satellites that SpaceX has called Starlink. So the new plans uh, that they're rolling out will work alongside with T-Mobile's existing cell plans and would cut the need for cell towers and offer services for sending text and images where cell coverage does not exist. So this is great for remote locations locations and places where you don't find cell service. So Starlink is now going to connect itself with T-Mobile and offer its customers uh, great, great connections, even in the middle of the mountains, in the middle of the oceans, and in places where you don't normally have the towers. So great well, news for regular Earth people. Ash, let me say this. This is where yes. space-related news you know, has a direct impact on business travel. This is the this is the example. I'll tell you why. Because for those who you know travel outside their countries a lot, international roaming charges are extortionate and here is more competition in that space and more ability for you as a business travel to have more choices when it comes to how you connect and if you as a corporate have a strong agreement with let me just pronounce it correctly for you Ash T-Mobile then you might have that connectivity bundled in right as opposed to them trying to figure out partnerships where they have to pay other you know network carriers at other markets and it makes it very difficult for them to provide you with a good deal so here's a very positive impact from space travel directly impacting business travel there you go okay cool I think that's a wrap I just want to also say thank you to those in the audience for giving us your time there's some new faces but people I recognize Alfred Shibu thank you very much for joining us Despok as well thank you it's much appreciated and for those giving us their time today and Anash from my side just to say thank you very much and um, I'll speak to you guys next week thank you everyone for, for joining and a special thanks to Cameron and Michael thank you for joining the session we host this LinkedIn call every week on Monday and it's all about linking the travel industry please share this event with somebody that you know and chances are high that if you enjoyed today's session others that you know will as well and if you cannot make it because of time zone availability please know that you can always access this session as a podcast on business travel 360 this is linking the travel industry signing off